Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, flying this Minisode ship solo as we continue with our Straight to Series portion of In the March of Minisodes. Um, so far, we have covered video games and movies that we, and old movies that we would adapt into uh, TV shows. And now we are going to move into the most obvious one um, old TV shows that we're going to. Um, you know, bring back, adapt, reboot, whatever you want to call it, um, into modern TV shows. And these are, these are, let's put it this way, I think um, at least one of these is almost a shoo-in to happen. Um, but the, the possibility remains for, including the three that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight and the three honorable mentions, it is possible that literally of these six, four of these, could be brought back as TV shows. And I don't mean that like because the, the idea is, is, is so good or something. But I mean because TV, TV more so than any other format, really loves to sort of, especially now with the way streaming rights are and the way rights for all TV shows go, but that, that's a whole different discussion, but we'll, I'll get into that real briefly. Just the way that um, studios hold the rights for TV shows, they are more likely to try to make new TV shows every so often um and you know like they're and, and just because of and because of the way um because of the way tv shows fill, build fan bases um again networks and streaming services are likely to try tv shows more so than they are to try to reboot old movies or adapt old movies more so than they are than they are and i should say the the recent run on video game adaptations is probably going to change a lot a lot of things going forward but previously, you wouldn't necessarily want to try to adapt a video game into a TV show or a movie because that was difficult. Um, TV shows were, was always the... It was just a lot easier to bring back an old TV show. Um, I mean, they've, they've been doing that since... I mean, you go... One of the shows I'm going to talk about was, in fact, brought back itself um, in the 1980s. So, <clears throat> this, is the, this is why I kind of put this one... I put this one last. Because this is, like, the most obvious... This is the most obvious way that you're going to see... Um, Things from your childhood kind of come back. You're going to see them. You're going to see old TV shows that you already remember already coming back. Um, you know, in some form, some way, shape, or form. Like uh, Fantasy Island um, is is a TV show again. Um, after it was uh, briefly a, a Blumhouse horror movie that uh, I never saw. To my understanding, it's not very good. Uh, but you have, you know, like I said, you have Fantasy Island. Um, how about the the fact that Magnum PI somehow has been on for like six seasons? Uh, prior to that, Hawaii Five O was on for like almost ten, almost a decade. Um, you know, there's just shows, shows like that. They're just, they'll never, TV shows will just never, especially if they really get a big cultural foothold. Um, they'll just never completely die. Um, that's just, just how it is. I mean, you know, we're the, even though the main series of the walking dead is over, and I know that's obviously an adaptation of a comic book, even though the main series of the walking dead is over. Um, and you know, we still have some spinoffs to go or whatever. Once, once the book finally closes on all of those, just don't be shocked if a few years later that we see another version of what would essentially be the you know a reboot or picking up the story of the original TV of the original Walking Dead TV series. Just don't be surprised. Um, we just re we recycle TV all the time. It's just it's just something that we do. And like I said, the way that. Um, the way that um, studios have these rights for certain properties, that's why you're you're going to suddenly see a rush on. Or if you're if you're wondering why suddenly, like, man, why did they make a, an Equalizer show, which was 
before it was a movie with Denzel Washington, it was a movie with Scott Glenn based off of a TV show. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. So, like, when you when you see stuff like that, like, oh, why are they doing this again? Why are, why are they doing this again? More than likely, um, more than likely, a network has the rights. A studio has the rights to something, and they have to make something or they'll lose them. Um, so they're just so that's why you just suddenly see a bunch of TV shows kind of pop up. More than likely because they were going to lose the rights to them if they didn't do something with them. And you might as well go ahead and try to. In, in the cases for a lot of these rebooted shows, you might as well go ahead and try to see what you can get. Um, you know, if you. You see if you can't pull some nostalgia strings and get people to watch something like the new Quantum Leap, um, or you know whatever the show may be. So, like I said, TV shows these are these almost seem inevitable to be remade again and again and again. So we'll start with um, I think the most this one I would I would almost wager money on being made into something again at some point in time. So for this one, I'm going to start with Mission Impossible. Um, originally a 1960s TV series that was then rebooted again in 1983, I want to say, for a couple seasons, um, with Peter Graves uh, reprising the same role as Mr. Phelps. Um, and then obviously it spins into uh, this ongoing um, ongoing movie series with Tom Cruise, which I believe is at like eight or nine films now. Um, so Mission Impossible. I think this is almost inevit- inevitable, but I think you need to wait... Um, I think you need to wait until Tom Cruise leaves the movie franchise and they stop making them. Um, just a couple of years, you know, whenever whenever the, the final Ethan Hunt uh, Mission Impossible movie is made, probably a couple of years after that, I think you'll see the Mission Impossible TV show pick up. Um, you know, I, I what, what I would do, however, is keep any, any reboot, any adaptation, whatever, I would keep it entirely separate from both the film world the the tom cruise film world and i would keep it separate from the previous iterations uh like i said with peter graves and like greg morris and phil morris uh came back in the in the in the in the the 80s reboot um i would keep it separate from all of those versions um just start entirely fresh um you know don't even i mean i guess if you want to name the character mr phelps or something fine but I, i wouldn't even go that far just Completely, you know, completely new people, new characters under the Mission Impossible banner. Um, but I think, you know, I do think there's an opportunity right now to, you know, since it is sort of a, since the IMF, the Impossible Mission Force, is a, you know, a, a secret government outfit, there is room here to kind of explore, um, you know, world world conflicts, um, you know, world and domestic conflicts, quite frankly, in, in a very unique kind of way, in, in the way that you would discover things through Mission Impossible, through clandestine operations and stuff, right? So I would make I would make each season of this for as long as you could. This is one of those things it could run for however long it wants to run for. But I would make each season have its own overarching storyline instead of being, you know, episodic. Um, and I would relate it to some big world event, right? So like right now, we have the Russia-Ukraine war going on. There's opportunity there for the IMF to um, to have you know a part in this. You know, you could have like in one episode they are infiltrating a, a Russian oligarch's inner circle to expose his involvement in supplying uh, you know like chemical weapons or something to Russian mercenaries in the Ukraine. Right? Like we're we're not going to have them involved directly in the war. They're not going to be boots on the ground, but they're going to be you know in the in the circles of power that um, that are helping to. Helping to um, finance the the Russian war machine in the Ukraine, 
So you know that that could be an episode, right? Like that's part of the that's part of the maybe that's maybe that is the the overall goal is to sort of bring down a Russian oligarch who's supplying billions of dollars in weapons to to Russian forces and you know extra um, and not extra, but um, let's call it, let's just say for the sake of let's just say for the sake of the story, like they're illegal Russian mercenaries doing illegal weird shit, um, you know in in. Uh, in the conflict zone and that's what we're that's who we're trying to get to so every episode is going to be building up to taking down this oligarch um you know similarly you could even you know you could even turn that on to north korea or the um you know to china whatever take take a pick for you know america's the perceived um foreign threats to american um sovereignty and you know american issues but you could also turn the imf loose on domestic threats you know, like hate groups, um, have them have them investigate corrupt politicians, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think that I think that there's actually again, I, I think this is almost certainty that this is going to become a TV show again. But I, I do hope that this is something that I do hope that they whenever they do remake it, that they remake it with some ambitions that are a little bit higher than, um, you know, that, that I don't know exactly how to say this, but like ambitions that are as high as they can make them because i think that you can you can say a lot about the state of american politics um american foreign relations american american domestic issues but you but we need but you do need to kind of shoot high um you know if we're just you know if we're just taken down just taken down a some like low-level russian arms dealer it's I, i don't know it just doesn't seem like it's enough for whatever you want to do with this TV show. And I do kind of fear that um, if if a Mission Impossible show were to be on network TV, it would be a little bit too simplistic. Whereas it's something that would, like, I, I'm telling you, it would, be, it would be pretty fucking awesome to have a Mission Impossible show that um, that's, uh, you know, backed by HBO or even, even, uh, even like an FX or something where you know they're not going to hold back on their commentary, they're not going to hold back on the violence, they're not going to hold back on the on the um, the deceit, the level of deceit that the characters are willing to go to, the sex, everything else that might come along with like a really cool Mission Impossible story. Um, a certain network certainly won't hold back on it, and others will. So I, I kind of I kind of feel like that if they were to go this route, I do want go full go full bore into this hard, like go into this as with big lofty expectations about what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and and you know and don't don't hold back on anything that you think would be would make the show more interesting. Now regardless, a couple of times a season at least, I need someone to rip off a fake face in a dramatic reveal. That needs to happen just a couple of times. Not every single episode, but if you have like 10 or let's say you have 12 episode seasons, I think at least three or four times someone needs to dramatically rip off a face, uh, a fake face, a prosthetic face to reveal who they really are uh, in the series. That needs to happen at least a few times. So Mission Impossible, my first, my first choice that we're going to go, that I'm, I'm going to bring up here, and honestly, I think the one that almost inevitably will be remade into a series again. All right, let's get into my next one here. Uh, one that has had a lot of talk. In the 23 years since it last uh, last aired an episode, it's always had um, always there's always been rumors about a reboot or um, you know some kind of you know potentially like a, a, a TV movie or something to kind of put a cap on things. Um, but this is the sci-fi show Sliders, 
Uh, ran from 1995 to 2000. I'll give you the quick synopsis here in case you were not familiar. It's, this was one of my favorite shows for a long time. Um, so we have uh, Quinn Mallory, played by Jerry O'Connell, a young scientist who creates a device called the Timer, uh, which is a way to open up a portal to parallel universes. And um, it, you know, parallel. this is a multiverse story. And along with his friends, uh, Rembrandt Brown, uh, played by Cleavon Derricks, uh, and Professor Maximilian Arturo, played by the great John Rhys Davies, and uh, Wade Wells, played by Sabrina Lloyd. The group, the group slides from one alternate universe to another, encountering different versions of themselves, alternate histories, um, etc., etc. Um, so I, this is again, this is one of those, this is one of those shows that has just it it has it had such a fervent fan base. That it um, it just can never completely die. I mean, even 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 in like recent years, and by recent years I mean like you know five ten years ago or whatever. You've even had people, you know, even had like John Reese Davies talk about like why he left the show about how. Um, well, I'll get into this in a little bit, but like the the, the reasons why like certain John Reese Davies went into the reasons why he left the show and how he felt it was really unfortunate because like this he felt like this show was really kind of especially in its first few seasons was really getting to getting into some interesting. Um, sci-fi territory and some thought, you know, thought experiments, you know, what have you. Um, but, um, yeah, so this is a, so I, one, just as a fan of the show, I would love for this thing to get some resolution um, and, you know, a little bit of justice. But I, I still haven't decided if I want this to, if I would want this to be a continuation or a, comp- a completely fresh look at the original premise. And I say that because, most of the principal cast left the series essentially like midway or like right at the end um, because of how troubled the production got like with it was originally on Fox and then um, then it moved over to sci-fi uh, and and the and Fox by midway midway into the series Fox was doing a lot of meddling and um, really making the production hard on everybody um, and they were just it, I don't know like it was just a really like I said, like a troubled, a, a troubled, a troubled series. The ca- there's cast members that got, didn't get along with each other. So it was troubled. It was a troubled series on many, many fronts. I mean, even like John Reese Davies tells the story from like how he was like in he was in the writers' room talking to someone, and they were literally just watching DVDs and just talking about how they could just like lift the scene for for this for this particular episode. Like they they stopped getting into more of the thought experiment stuff and were just parodying parodying. Um, um, you know, tropes from other sci-fi movies, or like in a lot of cases, just completely recreating scenes um, from other, you know, action adventure and sci-fi movies. In fact, um, they did a invisible bridge um, kind of bit in one episode that was quite literally taken from uh, Indiana Jones three, and John Rhys Davies like asked the writers about it, and for you know they you know they kind of they kind of admitted like yeah that they took this and he took this from it and he goes. Why would you do that? Like you do know that I was in that movie, <laughs> like that I'm going. I'm, you know, like he he kind of protested and was curious about. It. He says, "Well, why would you just?" You know, he wasn't in the scene, I guess. But like, but you know, he was very curious as to why they did this, and um, you know, it was just like, hey, you know that I was I was one of the people in this particular movie in which this happened. So it's because of how troubled the production was, it and it, the fact that it, it, well. Because of how troubled the production was, I can't really decide if I want to, if I would want to continue the original story. I think there's a possibility there. Um, especially, it never really received a proper ending. 
Um, so you could do something where um, if you wanted to do the, um, I don't know, new people, the new people, there's a, a team of new explorers that find, you know, or, 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 you know, find our original explorers. You could do that. I think, I think what I would do with this one in particular, though, is have, I'll call it splitting the difference a little bit. We'll have, you know, we'll have the kind of the same thing. It, it'll feel very familiar. Like we'll have someone discover this slider technology um, in, uh, you know, the timer and the slider technology in, you know, and like they, for whatever reason, you know, it, we set off on their adventures and maybe the reveal, even if the, you could even do the, the first, do it in the first episode at the end or maybe partial, partway into the series, the reveal is that what we're following is actually someone from a different, from an alternate universe that independently discovered the slider technology. And then you could have, um, you could have those people from an alternate earth. That's not ours. Um, perhaps cross over in some, you know, not cross over directly with the characters, but maybe like, maybe they kind of encounter certain hints and, and, um, certain, um, certain storylines and things that were, that they covered in the original series they could kind of sort of catch the tail end of to kind of give us hints as to what happened uh, to the original group. I, I don't really know exactly what would be the best option. Probably my, my guess is that if they were to ever um, readapt the series, my guess is that they would try to do a direct continuation. Um, it would be very, I think it would be very difficult considering the weird way that they wrapped up some certain, they wrapped up certain characters and um, jettisoned other characters it, it, but yeah, I think that's probably the path they would go or probably as opposed to trying to, um, you know, thread the needle, they would probably just do it, you know, just a complete and total reboot with, you know, with the slider's name attached to it more than likely. Uh, so there you go. That's, that's the, it's my next choice. There is sliders. Um, mostly I just want justice for this show. Uh, give it a proper ending at the very least. My last choice here is a show that I will maintain was a bit ahead of its time, and that's part of the reason why it didn't um, it didn't quite land in the way that it should have, and that is the uh, CBS series Jericho. And Jericho, let me bring up the synopsis here, just so I'm like 100% accurate on it. Um, if I can find it here, there we go. So Jericho was uh, it was set in the small town of Jericho, Kansas. Um, Suppose you know I, I don't I don't think this is a, a real town, but um, it was just supposed to be like a you know small town USA right on the border. It's right on the border with Denver or excuse me with Colorado, uh, which is important because um, when um, the main, our main character played by Skeet Ulrich, um, it's, it's the main character's name Jake Green. He returns to Jericho um, after a long absence for his grandfather's funeral, and while there, they all witness um, a. a uh, a nuclear attack on um, it's on Denver. Um, not sure if you'd be able to see it from from the border of Kansas, and maybe maybe not. I don't know. But regardless, big mushroom cloud over Denver, and it becomes apparent that there's multiple nuclear attacks on the United States, and um, they are effectively cut off from essentially from the rest of the United States after the after the nuclear strikes. And they're kind of left to their own devices and wondering about like what exactly happened, who attacked the U.S., um, and then you know what to do next. Certainly, this is a show that certainly, if it came out now, I think would be a hit um, because we are very much into we are very much into the post-apocalyptic, 
um, you know, style of series now. And small towns rebuilding and surviving a post-apocalyptic America, uh, it's just it just sounds like catnip uh, right now for any for anyone trying to produce a show because we are very into that right now. And really, we've been into that for about like a decade or so. But um, I think that uh, you're just going to see more and more of the of the post-apocalyptic small town kind of storylines. So Jericho was a little bit ahead of its time in that regard. Now, I'm not sure. I don't think I would continue the original story. Um, there is there there was um, this again. This is one of those shows. It was a two season show. Um, didn't qu- for you know again a little bit ahead of its time, so it didn't quite capture um it didn't quite capture a big enough audience so it was kind of unceremoniously canceled um but there was a comic that answered some of the questions about about what happens to the people in the town of jericho and their fight against a um a fascist government that comes to um kind of claim claim their area um you know their town amongst other towns called the asa um i think like the, the allied states of america and so there is some closure, um, some closure for this original storyline, but I think, I think if you were to continue the story, so there would be like a solid, you know, fifteen year gap at this point, um, you know, moving moving more every year, moving closer to twenty plus year gap, and I think that that sort of time gap works against the mysteries that the story kind of unfolded in its premise. Right, like we don't we don't know for sure. You you never know for sure who bombed the United States, um, whether it was a foreign country, terrorists, domestic terrorists could have been an inside job. We don't really know. There's hints that it was probably some kind of combination therein. Um, but you know, but I, I think after if we were to pick up the original story, the main conceit of this sort of lack of information, like really what drives what. The the main thing that drives all the storylines, and I shouldn't say drives all the storylines, but is I guess the undercurrent to all the storylines, is the confusion and paranoia that comes with an information blackout. Like they really do not know, you know, they're a small town, so they're kind of cut off a little bit anyway. And then when you when you really when you hit the main arteries around them, you know, in in Denver and. Um, you know, Kansas City and whatever towns happen to be nearby with nuclear with nuclear bombs, you are effectively cutting off their arteries of information completely. Um, so, the information blackout and paranoia is like the thing that kind of fuels everything that happens um, story wise in Jericho. But it, if you were to pick up the original story now, it would be you probably would have figured out something in the two decades since. You know, since the the tragedy, you know, since the the, the nuclear strikes and the tragedy started, um, it possibly has even been resolved in some way, shape, or form. And I think, I think that's sort of, I, I don't think this show would function. I, I don't think the show is interesting if it is just your typical post-apocalyptic fascist government took over small town and everyone's surviving kind of deal. I think what what really made this show very interesting is that you were living in the immediate aftermath. It wasn't quite. I mean, I guess it was post-apocalyptic, but it wasn't. It wasn't like um, we we have set and hard and fast rules at this point for what's going on. Everyone in, the, in this series was playing it. You know, everything everything that happened, every single day that happened post nuclear attack was a new. You know, was a brand new day, a new set of rules for them that they had to figure out. So if we do pick up years later, I, I think it does kind of drain some of the intrigue out of uh, out of that feeling and some of the. 
yeah, drains drains that feeling and drains the intrigue out of like not understanding, not not knowing what's going on, and having to believe having to believe like you know outsiders that like maybe this is what happened, maybe this didn't happen. You know, who do you trust? You just don't know in the immediate aftermath of something like that. So I would you know you take the same concept. I would set it in modern small town America. Uh, we'd obviously still have the central mystery of who attacks the U.S. And you know you could use this as a launching off point for a lot of commentary for um, U.S. foreign relations. Um, you could you could talk about domestic and foreign terror groups. Uh, you could talk about who is seizing power. Um, you know it. You know so you know in the in the show Skeet Ulrich is kind of like the de facto becomes the de facto leader of the town. But you can imagine now that we've seen more shows like this, where there's um, there's a power vacuum in, in the in a post-apocalyptic landscape, there's always some kind of like uh, you know essentially like civil war in those in the towns and stuff. So you know there's there's potential for that. Um, you know you could talk about how the paranoia and fear are you know obviously they're they're not. Um, how should I say this? They're not the only problems, but they exacerbate all the problems, the underlying problems in the town. You know, like if, you know, resentment over resentment over certain people, uh, you know, resentment over, um, you know, past issues that, ha- you know, haven't been completely resolved. Um, you could even get into funnier stuff, quite frankly, uh, if you wanted a little bit of levity. You know, um, th- there's the obvious jokes about generations who have grown up on their cell phones suddenly having their entire way of life completely cut off. And, you know, what that means for them and in how they kind of cope with literally the only thing they've ever known being being completely trashed. Um, so I think there's a lot of room here to do something with this property. Um, again, I think I don't think you could I don't think you can make this a continuation. I think you have to entirely retell the story. Um, but I definitely again, another thing that I, I don't want to see on like your network as a basic network show this needs to be something on streaming this needs to be something on at the very least cable so we could get into a little bit more adult themes and stuff i think this this is something that feels like this amazon pick this show up give it like a 10 episode order um you know see if you can't resolve see if you can't make a compelling like one season show and if if there's room to expand it beyond that you know two or three seasons whatever go for it um but yeah it's something that I, i definitely think that Again, another show that I just would work better would work better outside the clutches of a network, which is going to be going for a little bit more broad, um, you know, broad four quadrant, you know, pleasing the four quadrants, if you will. Whereas I think that um, if you really do want to make pointed commentary, you need to, um, which I think would benefit a show like this a lot. Um, then you need to get then you need to get on some you need to get on a network or a streaming service that's going to allow you to do a little bit more. So that's uh, so that's Jericho is my last is my last show there, and just a quick recap: we have Mission Impossible, Sliders, and Jericho are my three main TV shows that I would readapt, reboot, however you want to call it. And lastly, here we'll get into my honorable, honorable mentions real quickly before we wrap up. Um, so three honorable, honorable mentions, and they are Logan's Run, News Radio, and The Fall Guy. So Logan's Run, uh, you know, a, a show about a society, a 70s show originally about a, well, I guess a, a movie and then a, sh- wait, movie and then a show or a show then a movie? I can't remember. I might have it backwards, but it was a show at one point. Um, society where, you know, people, once they hit the age of 30, like, that's it. You are sent to death. Um, so this could be, you could turn this into a commentary on a lot of things. Obviously, aging and how society views older people is one, but really how most marginalized groups are considered disposable by 
the societal consensus, right? Like there's there's definitely this is one of those shows that definitely has a um, would have a very I don't want to say heavy handed, but like it would it, a show that would be would ha, un, have unmistakable messaging basically. So that'd be Logan's Run. News radio, I think would I think news radio now would be uh, really interesting, and this would be a full update, a continuation of the original story. Obviously, unfortunately, you wouldn't be able to have uh, Phil Hartman's character. Um, I can't remember his character's name, uh, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I would update this show, just continue it as if it was. Um, you know, I think the last episode aired in 1999 or 2000. Um, update this show to show how the world of radio and media in general has changed in the decades since it went off the air. And quite frankly, I think this is this is the thing that intrigues me the most. This would be a perfect opportunity to excuse me, a perfect opportunity to utilize Joe Rogan's character on the show, uh, Joe Gorelli. Um, he was like a production. I, I, he worked in like te- like a, he was like a technical uh, guy at the radio station. I can't remember exactly what he did, but it would be a very interesting sort of commentary on how um, non traditional media grew and supplanted traditional media. To have Joe Gorelli's character basically just make him Joe Rogan have a guy who was a, a technician at a radio station now is one of the most world's powerful podcasters and how he has an audience that's bigger than any New York radio station um, would be, would be a funny and, and, you know, obviously that's, that's a, a little bit more pointed, but news radio was a really funny show. They managed to make some serious topics. Very funny. Um, I would, I would trust that uh, you could, you could spin this comedy. You could spin this comedy Give it a little bit of, give it some teeth. Talk about uh, the new media landscape, and you could still make it funny, especially if you brought back some of the very talented people that were involved in the original series. And lastly, the Fall Guy, 1980s uh, TV show, uh, originally with like Lee Majors. I want to say Lee Majors, Heather Thomas, and like Douglas Barr as bounty hunters. Or excuse me, as stuntmen who moonlighted as bounty hunters. So keep the. Literally, this is one I'm not going to change anything. I'm not really sure why in modern Hollywood stuntmen would moonlight as bounty hunters. Um, they would certainly make enough money to that they didn't need to supplant their uh, supplant their main income with um, you know with like a dangerous hobby like bounty hunting. But who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, same so same premise: the stuntmen moonlighting as bounty hunters, but with actual stunt performers as the main characters, like you know people that really have dedicated themselves to the physical art of of acting and jazz this up with some more hand-to-hand combat more live action stunts you know the original had a lot of like car stunts um you know and vehicle stunts was kind of the thing for the first one uh for the original series so in this one why don't we why don't we get into more of the physical stuff people people beat each other up throwing each other through windows that kind of stuff a lot more live action stunts would be a lot of fun to see something like that kind of pop back on the tv all right, and that's it. That concludes this episode, and that concludes this week's episodes. Um, our straight to series series is over. I think I'm gonna have I'm gonna have one more episode uh, to wrap up in the month of minisodes next week. Uh, obviously, we have a uh, you know March ends in the middle of the week, so I can't get too far into it anyway. But we'll have one more episode to wrap up in the March of minisodes before we move on to April, which I believe is man tears, getting into the stuff that makes men get emotional and misty uh we don't cry we just get emotional and misty and get something in our eyes um but that's it for now thanks for downloading and listening and we will catch you next time